If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Hi, I'm Dr. Carol Francis, and I have been working with couples for over 38 years as a licensed marriage and family child therapist, a master's in marriage and family child therapy, as well as a clinical psychologist, a doctorate in clinical psychology. And the reason I say these sorts of things is because marriage counseling, couples counseling is not the same across the board. You can do a very casual approach. You can discuss all your problems and difficulties. Or you can actually go into a therapeutic situation where you're going to be able to affect changes in the way you talk, in the way you understand each other, the way you appreciate each other, and the way you treat each other. And what we're going to talk about today is the pressures that are put on marriages that actually break it, snap it like a, like a stick being stomped on on a hike. All relationships have a fragile point. They have a tipping point where they break or where they become so overwhelmed with all the yuck that they can barely get out from underneath the suffocation of the negativity. And the best thing that you can do to turn that around is to, as soon as you possibly can, stop pouring a lot of positive into the situation. Now, here's the difficulty that I find that people face a lot is that they'll start to pour the positive into a relationship. And then after one or two weeks of being pretty good about that, they think the other person should turn around and have a wonderful aha that this is a great relationship. And while that would be really great and very responsive of your partner's part, two weeks does not a change make. The thing is, is that turning around a situation where you've either been excessively critical or excessively judgmental or excessively grumpy or negative means that that partner is going to be fairly suspicious that maybe you're on a good two-week kick, but how reliable is it actually? In addition, you also have to recognize that your partner, like you, may be harboring a ton of anger and resentment as well as built walls that are so thick because they really don't want to be hurt by you anymore or attacked by you anymore. And you don't either. So when you start to pour the positive into a relationship, you have got to do it for the long run, not the short run. Now, abusive relationships, it's a different story. So I'm going to assume that the relationship you're in is with a fairly reasonable individual who's fairly good and fairly wants to have a good connection with you but has just lost the know-how or the desire or the sense of safety. So those things aside, because abusive relationships is an entirely different process. And let me talk about that for just a moment. If you are in a situation where you are being abused physically, verbally, or emotionally, to pour a lot of positive energy in to that type of relationship actually makes you more powerless and makes the other individual more powerful because the more you try to be positive, the more they will try to tear you down. The more you demonstrate your strength and your 
Your ability to take hold of yourself and create something good for you is more than going to be threatened that you're actually going to get strong enough to leave the abusive relationship. So you're probably going to find yourself pouring positive in in the hopes that the other person will respond and change and the abuse will just continue, be aggravated, maybe for a while it will stop, but it will go back to old patterns. So that's another day and another topic, but just a sideline to consider just in case that fits your situation. Okay. Women, let's talk for a moment. Most of us are very, very verbal. We like to talk, we like to listen, and we like to describe the various emotional states we're in, and we really don't want to be judged for those different emotional states we're in. We just want to be heard and understood and loved and comforted. And that's all well and good when we're talking to a girlfriend that totally gets that. But you have to remember that most men, and this is stereotypic, will hear you talk about their problems and feel extremely inclined to want to solve the issues that you're facing. Now, you must admit that that actually is a sign of them caring so much that you're in pain that they don't want you to be in pain. In addition, you're talking about all the yuck of your day and hoping that they'll be emotionally empathic and caring and soothe you and give you that back rub and tell you how much they love you and feel your pain. But what they'll actually feel is that they're not going to be able to be happy as long as you're unhappy. So they need to take care of your unhappiness, fix it, so that they can also be happy and so that the two of you together can go ahead and be happy. A typical response which puts tremendously destructive energy into a relationship is for the woman to be so upset that the man is so sensitive as to want to fix the problems. In addition, the man's urge to fix a problem is often experienced by a woman as if they're being condescended to, judged as if, oh, well, the man can fix me because he's so awesome, but look at me, I'm broken. Well, that's really not the attitude a man cares about you to have. It's not like they're trying to solve your problems because they're better than you are. That's because they care about you. At least that's the way it initially was being. But then after a while, responding to a man's urge to fix your emotional problems that you're sharing, they will begin to feel like you're just so broken because all you're sharing is the emotional broken moments. You think it's just a way of like giving, giving a part of yourself in the most vulnerable way, which is all about intimacy. But to a man, it just feels like you're more and more and more broken. And how are they going to relate to someone broken when they don't want to be broken? So you have to realize in sharing your emotional junk that other people take it very differently than perhaps the way you want them to. Okay, so now here's what you do. Women, if you want to share your emotional junk and upset for the day, and you want your man to hold you and care and feel with you and be empathetic, then what you do is you tell him up front, hey, honey, can you give me five, 10 minutes where what you do is just feel me and hear me and take my pain and just care for me because I'm really okay. But I would love to share the intimacy and the vulnerability of the weak moments of my emotional soul and know that you just love me and that it isn't my weakness, it's just me sharing those weak moments. And then after those 10 minutes, then let's go on to something else. And you telling your spouse that that's what you want tells them how to fix you, not to change you, not to make it look as if you're broken, that they have to somehow fix how to repair you. 
but they can fix the moment because you gave them the formula for what you really need and want. But don't expect them to understand this up front. Now, in the Western society, men, you more often than not won't even share your troubles with another man unless you really feel broken. And at that point, another man will really get that you feel really broken. Uh, because people don't actually talk to each other about those deeper issues when they're doing guy things. Guy things are about the neutral topics, the fun topics, the, the third-party topics, or about money or sex or what they want to get or what they haven't gotten. It's just all about the it. It's about the materialism. It's about the the energy of the having and the have-notting, and it's not really related to deep emotional vulnerability. So you guys don't only really share that way with each other. And when you do share that way with each other, you know it's serious and that something needs to be fixed. So you have a very different connection. But women and men listen in. When you get together with your women friends and you talk, women friends understand they don't need to fix you. They just need to care. They just need to feel for you. They need to listen. And they need to ask you how you're doing on the next time that they see you on that particular topic. And you'll share your story and your narrative with such heart and vigor. And you will feel better because you've been heard and you've expressed your stuff. But men don't do that. They don't feel better after they've expressed their stuff. If anything, they feel more vulnerable, weak, and kind of worried about how they're going to be received. Because, after all, they were never trained to be vulnerable. They were trained to be strong and vulnerable and dependable, reliable. So, there you go. That's one of the big weights that hurl onto almost all Western relationships because there's such a different style of sharing stuff that's unpleasant. So when you go to the next formula, which I mentioned at the beginning, of trying to pour a lot of positive things into the situation, be really aware that sharing something emotionally that's really yucky is not considered by men to be a positive moment. Unless you teach your man how wonderful they are, that they listened and cared and didn't judge, and now you feel lighter and better and happier and more affectionate, now a man will understand that that's a way to move forward. Here's something else that really causes problems in relationships, and that's the pressure of sex. We could talk about money too, but right now we're going to talk about sex. Uh, when you're first meeting each other, the sexual compatibility and the fire that's expressed between the two of you, it could possibly have been amazing. And since that set the precedent for the rest of your relationship, that wonderful, amazing, voluptuous, lascivious kind of lovemaking and sex is not going to be repeated throughout your relationship. But trying to strive to get there, trying to strive to always return and feeling like every form of sex that falls short of that is a failure, is a damaging attitude. And you've got to realize that sex has all variations and forms, all different types of intensity, all different types of pleasure. And so sometimes you're both going to be in the same synchronized intensity and you're both going to be in the same physical condition to be able to go the distance with fabulously vigorous, intense sex. Now, it is possible that you both could also start learning a lot more about sex. Go to some lovemaking or sex classes. Read some good books. Even Fifty Shades of Grey will give you some ideas about what your lover could possibly add or want to be added to the list of enjoyment and pleasure. 
After all, there's lots of ways to come to an orgasm. Now, men, the pressure you put on women for sex does not make them want to have sex. But your ability to lure them into a wonderful, loving, comfortable, emotional, vulnerable state of mind, that's going to work better for you. And yes, that's part of foreplay. And guess what, men? Carrying on a conversation with your woman about how she's feeling for the day, really hearing her without fixing her, caring and and emoting alongside her is going to move her into a feeling that she can be vulnerable with you not only emotionally, but now she can be vulnerable with you sexually. Because a woman being touched by a man is actually a vulnerable experience for a woman. Majority of the time, women are not residing in the power of their sexual activities and their power to create sexual pleasure, but mostly they're residing in kind of the vulnerability to a man who could actually very much hurt her and instead decides to make love to her. So you need to really kind of move into being her sexual intimate partner by way of being emotionally available to her feelings. Okay, a lot of work, but guess what? The division between the male and the female is stark. It's amazingly big. It's the Grand Canyon. It's the mile distance between the top to the bottom when you're hiking into the Grand Canyon. There's a big chasm between the male and the female. We're different. And so to create the synchronicity that goes along with being able to share an orgasm pretty close to each other is truly an art form and something that both partners need to learn more about. So don't just assume that just because you've seen it on pornographic or movies or other sorts of media sources that you get what you can do that can create so much pleasure for the other. And don't just assume that just because you're horny that the other person's going to get in the mood immediately. And definitely don't assume that just because you want it, the other person should give it to you. This is a dance that is complicated and you want to get as synchronized as you can knowing that there'll be times when you're making love and it's not synchronized and there'll be times when you are synchronized. So the pressure to avoid here is don't press sex as an issue unless you're willing to approach it from the point of view of, hey, I was thinking about how we can make this more enjoyable for both of us. Now that's a way to say it. How can I help you feel even better? What what do you enjoy being touched? Or, oh, I was reading this section in, in Fifty Shades of Grey. Here, let me read it to you. Does that sound appealing to you? Oh, no. Oh, yes. You want to listen and dialogue about it as if it was a new toy to play with anytime you're going to bring the subject up. Which brings me to the third point. When couples decide they're going to solve problems that are in their relationships, They get so focused on what's broken that they forget that they don't have to speak the language of brokenness to each other all the time. I'm so upset about this. Look what you just did. When are you going to stop? I'm so upset with you. I'm done with you. All these sorts of emotional words that are all about destroying the relationship come out in points of frustration. Now, most of the time, you don't mean to try to finalize or destroy the relationship. You're just expressing emotions. But unfortunately, your words, men and women, create results. And so you want to make sure you're using words that actually move the two of you forward. Okay, so let's say you have a problem. Let's say it's a problem in bed. And you say to your woman or you say to your husband, 
I'm literally looking forward to trying something new. I heard about da-da-da-da. What do you think? Or read an excerpt from a book. Or say, oh, I've seen this new pornographic thing that might be kind of fun. Now, I know that some of you say pornography is taboo, and I get that. And child pornography actually is a form of child abuse, which has to be reported. It is not okay. Now, let's talk about the use of pornography, though, as a sex toy and the use of pornography as a teaching tool. And yes, I do consider that there's some pornography out there that's actually very helpful for the two people to start a dialogue or to be able to get in touch with their own passions or their own body in a way that they didn't know was possible before. So you can introduce in all sorts of different fun, playful ways, different things into the lovemaking situation. Here's a clue, and there's so many of them, but we're going to end with this today. Try to notice the way your partner touches you. And that might be the way they want to be touched. So if your partner is very gentle and very slow and very tender, that's probably the way they want to be touched. If your partner is very fast and hard and pressure and, 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 and massaging and kneading your body, that's probably the way they want to be touched. So you begin to touch them the way they are touching you so that they can experience because everybody's body really has turned on differently. So you're going to try to listen to the signals your partner gives you. It would be better just to talk about it straightforwardly when you're not in bed. Hey, how do you like to be massaged? Or what parts of you like to be touched? Or does this feel good when I do it this way? Or do you prefer it this way? Or is it good both ways? And just make it into something that's no different than if you were painting the picture or building a cabinet or even learning how to drive a car on a freeway. These are just tools that you're going to gather so that you can expand your repertoire of no longer putting pressure on a relationship, but moving it towards something that's going to be positive, experimental, and fun. Never put on a relationship the pressure of fulfilling all your needs and desires. But if you want your relationship to fulfill some of your needs and desires, you've got to be very clear about how and you need to be creative in the way you express it. And you don't put the other person down just because they're not doing what you think. They should have learned how to do it all along. Face it, that person probably hasn't been in that many relationships so that they particularly understand you. You are only you. And you need to guide your lover so that they can understand you in a way that your lover can learn. So teach teach in the way your lover can actually absorb the information. That's probably enough for now. Have a great day. Take very good care of yourself and your partner and don't go crunching around on branches. Branches break too easily. Your love for each other is fragile. Handle it with care. I'm Dr. Carol Francis. Contact me through drcarolfrancis.com or 310-543-1824. Take care.